Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 12.36 in Edmonton. Bruce Chris Steakhouse is the greatest steak you've ever had. It's Edmonton-owned and operated. It's open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. You can head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue, Bruce Chris Edmonton, the 99th Bruce Chris to open up. Something about that 99 number in Edmonton. You can tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Bruce Chris that Oilers now sent you two quick things to do before we hook up with Brian Lott. Number one, uh, Chris Pronger has left the Florida Panthers organization. Uh, he was in a management role with them for the last several years. And we were talking about the Muldoon curse. This in uh, relation to the former uh, Blackhawks owner who named uh, the Blackhawks hockey team after a fighter squadron during the uh, First World War. And with an educational interlude here on Oilers Now, here is Brendan Escott on the curse of Muldoon. All right, it was an alleged curse that supposedly prevented the Chicago Blackhawks of the National Hockey League from finishing in first place either in their division or from 1938 to 1969 in the single division NHL. It uh, it may have been the first public example of mainstream media publicizing a curse uh, on a major league sports franchise. So <laughs> uh, where are we here? Fill in the gaps, Bob. If you uh, if you feel the need. All right. So basically, what happened it. was it was it Jim? It was Jim Coleman was the writer, right? Is that who the writer was? I'm thinking it was Jim. Uh, was it Jim Taylor? That's exactly Jim, who it was. It was the Jim Globe Coleman. So uh, Jim Coleman was with the Globe and Mail. It was in the 1940s that he wrote this, and basically Pete Muldoon was the head coach and had been fired after the 1926 by Frederick McLaughlin, the owner of the Blackhawks, and Coleman made the story up. This would be the first case of what Donald Trump would refer to as fake news, fake news. The whole thing was made up. He was uh, he had writer's block, so he made up this curse of Muldoon story, and it stuck, and he finally came clean at some point in the mid-1960s, like two decades later. That story makes me laugh every time I hear it. That's an awesome story. Oh, I don't know if he's had any curses in his life, uh, maybe just doing the show on a Wednesday, but we welcome back to the show show uh the uh nhl networks brian lawton brian how you doing i'm cursed every wednesday at 1 30 minnesota time there, there you go uh <laughs> do you believe by the way are you a superstitious guy i am a very superstitious person things have to be in the right order i have to walk the right way i have to cross lines a certain way uh it's just a hockey thing i think did you have anybody sort of play an extended gag on you uh, 
uh, you know, sort of either didn't, maybe they didn't mean to undermine your confidence, but they had you kind of wondering what in the heck is going on or what's this about or anything like that where one of your teammates maybe played into the fact that uh, you're a little bit superstitious? Uh, nobody ever did it to me, but I saw it done to many players, and I can remember a player in the North Stars, I won't say who, but he had to go last out to the ice every single game or he would just lose his mind. And every single game, about five of us would try to go last. And we just kept rotating it till he couldn't figure it out that we were purposely trying to just bump him out of the superstition. Uh, and every time we just laughed forever and ever, but we always let him win because we wanted him in the right frame of mind when we went out there. But uh, no, nobody ever tried to play an extended one on me. Uh, we had a version of that with Montreal and Philadelphia where the, was it Claude Lemieux had to fire the puck in the empty net after the Flyers had left the ice? And Chico Resch uh, and Ed the Boxcar Hospitar. Did you play with Ed Hospitar when he was in? Uh, just trying to think, he was in. I thought he was he played in Minnesota as well at one stage. Anyhow, uh, he was with the Rangers and he went to the Flyers. Uh, busted up Mark Napier's teeth one time with a cheap shot. They ended up going after, and that led I to that whole. With all three of those people, Bob, that you just named: really? Mark Napier, Eddie Hospitar, and Chico Resch on a couple of <laughs> Team USA deals. <laughs> but anyhow, go ahead. Well, I just say it's true. Uh, that brawl, eh? Philly and Montreal, all because the Canadians wanted to put the puck in the empty net when the Flyers left the ice. Exactly. exactly. Those were th- that stuff used to go on all the time where guys would talk about it and they just wouldn't do it. Uh, it, well, I, I know that the Prince Albert Raiders, and we've got listeners of the show. In fact, I think the police chief currently in Edmonton played on those Prince Albert Raider teams. Uh, Manny Viveros, you would know him. He showed up at some of those camps with Minnesota when you were there. Uh, he he was on the, the Raiders teams that used to steal the other team's nets and, and change the warm-ups. Right. You know? I mean, they only had Dave Manson and Ken Bobgarner. It's crazy when you think about it today. It's just ridiculous. It, it, it was the Wild West in the Western Hockey League 30 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, different time to say the least. All right, you put something out the other night on Twitter, so I'm going to ask you your gut feel. Uh, you know, the the return to play committee, the National Hockey League, the NHLPA, uh, have agreed to a tentative agreement. Uh, on a four-year CBA extension with return-to-play protocols. It was uh, moved forward last night by the 31 PA uh, reps. It now gets voted by the players. You've got a lot of uh, your former peers and agents that you know throughout the league. You know a lot of the players. What is your gut feel, Brian, on maybe what percentage this uh, will we'll end up seeing? Uh, you know, the vote needs a couple days here to take place, but what are we looking at? Uh, I, I think we're looking at a a fairly confident vote of yes, the players will approve it. It won't be unanimous like, you know, a lot of times we used to see in the past. I think those days are gone. But uh, I can't say I'm surprised. It's just I had a couple agents actually call me and say, Brian, why did you say it's going to be a close vote like the NFL vote was? And I said, well, I, I got to tell you, of all the players I've talked to and I've talked to double-digit numbers, uh, it was pretty down the middle, and that was my own survey. And I think the reason that that was at that time was because there was one thing that was unique to this negotiation, Bob, was that not that many 
people knew what was going on outside of the inner circle for the NHLPA and the National Hockey League. And, and that includes agents and players as they went through the process. And we've never really seen that. There's always kind of been leaks. The agents were really kept out of the process uh, to the dismay of some of them. Whether or not that's good or bad, you know, we'll find out after the vote here because the agents in the end end up playing a huge role in terms of answering questions for their players because that's who they lean on, especially the younger players. But um, there just hasn't been a lot of information. I still, there's a, I still believe there's a lot of unanswered questions for people like us. We haven't seen the document. Hopefully right. the NHLPA is communicating everything to the players. But I, with all that said, I would still be surprised, very surprised, if it doesn't pass in a 70-30-80-20 type manner. Yeah. Um, well, some might suggest that hockey players, you know, they're pretty good guys. They're pretty ba- pretty balanced. They probably understand, you know, we're going through an incredibly challenging time with the pandemic. This might not be the time necessarily to be adversarial. This is not an NHL versus NHL PA situation because the common common enemy is the pandemic, Brian. Yeah, and I think that uh, both sides were able to leverage that and that cooler heads prevailed in the end. We haven't, you know, it's always been kind of acrimonious, let's be honest. That's just the history of labor negotiations between the players and the owners. Um, This wasn't the time for that, though, and I think both sides realize that. And both sides absorb some risk in terms of not really knowing how things are going to play out. Are fans going to come back? Um, You know, where are we going to be at next year before they feel comfortable? There's just so many unanswered questions that both sides had to absorb some risk and and i have to applaud them both for doing that because i think ultimately the winners will be the fans they don't have to get caught in the middle of a squabble um you know it's not going to be the longest deal that's been signed lately so that's good although six years is still pretty long but it gives everybody a chance to move forward certainly for the league to go ahead with some plans that they had that are going to benefit the players in terms of national TV deal in the U.S. And uh, I just think it's a real positive, and and I'm not surprised that they agreed, but uh, I'm definitely very pleased to see that uh, this could come together again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I don't think the players will vote no, and I don't believe the owners at their board of governor meetings would ever vote it down either. 
It's 12.45 in Edmonton. We're joined by our headliner today, Brian Lawton, for Touchback Safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. You've been on both sides of the ledger. You've been in management uh, as GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so you've represented the interests of management, and you've also been a longtime player agent. If uh, From a player agency perspective, what do you like best about this deal, uh, of what you know, of what's been out there? Yeah, and we don't have all the details, so it's hard to say. But everybody seems to be hanging their hat on the hat on the twenty percent cap on escrow. Uh, I would say I like that best, but I need to see the detail behind that. Does that mean that next year you you're not going to be responsible for more than a twenty percent cap? The following year, you know, I've seen the literature in terms of it's going to be fourteen to eighteen percent. When I do models, that looks very, very confidently to be like it'll be 18%. But again, what does that mean? Are you just running a tab and we'll roll it forward and carry it forward until it can be erased? Um, if that were the case, I probably wouldn't be as excited about that cap. If it's just a straight cap and any other risk falls on ownership, then if I were a player agent, I would really love that. So I need to see the detail before I can concretely um say what I believe. I have asked those questions, but there's really not that much information leaking out, not the detail. We've got the general framework. Everybody can read that. But until you really dive into the details, uh, that's where the devil is. So there's lots of things. So I, I just like the fact that we're going to have labor peace. Players are going to get back to work. They're going to have a chance to maybe lower some of the cap um, escrow hit, excuse me, that they have this year. That's significant. This is an opportunity to take a bite out of that. Uh, I think it's going to bring both sides together because there's going to be a lot more checking in terms of revenue. I think players are really curious as to what the revenues would have been this year. And I think this is going to help to continue that in the right way. I thought the entry level players got a little bit of bump, wasn't huge, but that's the group that always gets left out in CBA negotiations because there's so few players that represent the entry-level group. Uh, overall, though, there looks like it's it's just a fair deal. It's not a deal that maybe the NHLPA is going to love. It's not a deal that the National Hockey League is going to love. And that's ultimately what should happen in this type of an environment. We're joined by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. So, Brian, you know the nature of hockey players. And, you know, we discuss this all the time on the show. I mean, for, for the most part, they're really good guys, and they tend to put team first. Um, we're going through a unique situation with the pandemic. There is an op, uh, an opt out clause. Um, it, it's got to, it's you know, for some guys, they, they got to consider it, especially if they have extenuating circumstances uh, through health. Do they have to put themselves first ahead of the team in these situations? Do you think? I think so. I think that's one thing that's changed from the past, Bob. I mean, I saw teammates, you know, lose relatives, family members, and and really, for the most part, continue to play, which I always thought was a little bit short-sighted. I was younger when I saw some of those instances. And then today, I think a little bit more logic prevails, even though players make a lot more money and there's more at stake in theory, society has continued to evolve and right now if there's a player that has a realistic reason for not playing i don't think anyone's going to bat an eyelash at them 
Uh, I will say this, though, for the amount of detail that the players and the NHL have put into their return-to-play protocol, I think it blows away all the other leagues. I said it yesterday. I think it's the gold standard for what leagues should be doing. Uh, You have to commend both parties on that, and that would make me feel a lot better if I were a player in terms of returning to play. Now, we could get into individuals, diabetics. There's players that are known throughout the league, things like that. If they opt out, I just don't think anyone will uh, bat an eyelash. I may be surprised, and I don't want to say that to put any pressure on anyone, but uh, hockey players are are tough hombres. Uh, The team is always first. There's a real mentality that goes with it, and I think we'll see that shine through when it's all said and done in this return to play. Well, there's no question we live in a different society. I mean, 25, 30 years ago, do guys, if they were on a road trip and their wife was pregnant, did they stay home? Probably not. And today, no. uh, that's a leave for that player. Like, he's he's going to be with his wife and supporting the family. And, uh, you know, obviously on the other end of it, when you're talking about parents dying or, God forbid, uh, you know, a, a child, it, that's an absolute given that uh, there would be a leave extended for the player. We're joined right now by Brian Lott and Bob Stoffer with you on uh, Oilers Now. So... Uh, you talked about it, uh, you know, just the gold standard for the National Hockey League. And part of that is that and they've not announced the hub cities. They all announce the hub cities, even though everybody kind of thinks they know who it is. Uh, they'll announce the hub cities once everything's completely ratified from the. And I, I know we sort of got some of your opinion uh, over the last couple of weeks on this. And you were a guy that definitely thought Edmonton uh, should be right up there. But from the people that you've talked around in your circles, What's the perception of holding the uh, two hub cities in Canada right now, Brian? I think everybody's absolutely fine with it, Bob. It's not uh, certainly for people in the United States. It's not considered a slight. It's considered uh, good common sense. You know, the fact of the matter is that uh, if the U.S. had other cities that could boast where certainly Edmonton is at in terms of amount of virus that is around uh i think they would have been considered uh, equally as much but in, in the end it, it's just common sense you got great facilities you got great communities if they end up in toronto and edmonton uh, but it's still safety first and i just you know i've been beating the drum as you said but uh, nothing should have trumped that in my opinion um there is a very very small amount of risk these guys are young and they're healthy and they're going to be fine but there's still an unknown as to having this virus, what it may do to you as an athlete down the road. So I think it's in everyone's best interest to, to keep safety on the tip of the tongue um, just because of that unknown. And I know it makes a lot of players uncomfortable. I've talked to them about it. Uh, I don't see them opting out, but they certainly have strong thoughts about it. These two cities in my opinion, and again, particularly Edmonton, really answer that question, and it answers it really, really resoundingly. Uh, We saw with FC Dallas in the uh, MLS that, uh, you know, some of the teams didn't make it into their little tournament. Are you concerned at all that, you know, once they go to training camp on Monday, there could be some challenges with the high caseloads, given what's, I think the last time I checked, I guess it depends on the source, but it's anywhere between 27 to 31 states spiking right now in the U.S. Yeah, my concern is for this first part of training camp, to be honest with you, Bob. If the NHL can make it through that and get to the hub cities, 
and admit everybody into the bubble with no one that has COVID, then I'm really bullish on them being able to pull this off. But that's the key to me. When you make that transition to the two hub cities, you've got to have really strict protocol not to let anybody in that has this virus. Uh, this first portion is going to be a little bit hairy. You know, we've seen already with players testing positive. You know, we knew we knew a bunch of players in Tampa did. Can't say I was overly surprised. Things were running rapid down there. These guys are coming in to use the facility, but then they're going out into society, and we don't know what protocol they were following, how stringent they were. Um, but I do think... If we can make it through first, really uh, 10 days, 12 days, and then transition to the hub city, then we're going to see a great result for the National Hockey League. What would your message be to, because we do get texts saying, we don't want this event here in Edmonton. Now, that's... You know, that's the minority perspective. And most of the texters, we have, we have texters, Brian, that want the building open up so they can go watch the games. Uh, but to the people that say, well, there's no value to Edmonton hosting this event, what would you say to them? Uh, I absolutely would understand that position. That's what freedom of speech is, Bob. we got to listen to other people when we don't agree with them. Sure. I wouldn't have, I, I would put it as a very low, low risk because of the protocol because of the amount of time, energy, planning, commitment, money that the National Hockey League is putting into this. Uh, they're, they're playing for keeps with this. Their intent is for this to go off beautifully. They don't expect that, um, you know, they want perfection. They probably don't expect it, but they've got protocols in place to snuff things out very, very quickly. Um, I would say that uh, there's very, very, very little risk to Edmontonians in having this come there. Now, the benefits are more for the organization. I right. freely admit that. This is an incredible, incredible uh, chance for the Edmonton Oilers to showcase the city of Edmonton and just to showcase their organization. Players are never there in the summer um, for the most part, not the guys that are on the circuit of the NHL. just doesn't happen, and we all know how beautiful Edmonton is in the summer, and some people think it's just as beautiful in the winter. Players generally like warmer weather when they're traveling around. Yes. So for me, this is an opportunity for the club to really shine. And uh, quite frankly, you know, from everything I've heard that the club is committed to and is going to make available – uh, I think it's it's going to be incredible for them. I wish it would have happened for Minnesota, where I live. I'm certain they wish as an organization it would have happened for them. Brian, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Bob. Take care. That's Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. He was our headliner today for Touchback Safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. During the season, all season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Hitting the ice today over at Rogers Place, Evan Bouchard, Oilers, right shot. D in a quick text on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. The Chisler out of Vegas. Bob putting a shout out. Bullish on Prince to open shows back in this day. But how could you duck me back in the fall of 05? 30 years ago, I would have busted your teeth out and skipped 
the scotch and gone straight to crown, Bob. I'm not st- uh, superstitious, but I hope the curse will continue for the Windy City when they play the Oilers. FYI, Vegas holding at 4,500 cases in the past seven days. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back from the cult of hockey, David Staples. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.